Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. We're at episode number 1,537, and today we're continuing our coverage of Solo with Star Wars Story, the expanded edition, a.k.a. the novelization by Mer Lafferty, and we are on the downhill run on this one. We don't have too much further to go. Today, we're talking about Secrets of the Kessel Run itself. Now, we're splitting this up a little bit because we talked about the Kessel Slave Revolt yesterday, and I'm gonna share with you some things about the path into Kessel, and then we'll talk about the Kessel Run itself, the path out. But this is what we learn about the Kessel Run so far. We learn that there's this, you know, Acades Maelstrom that they have to fly through, and it's the only safe route, and it does change a little bit from time to time. There's a massive gravity well, which we might know as a black hole, called the Maw, M-A-W, that is at the heart of this thing and is making everything crazy. And as they go through the channel, which is the path that they're able to take to Kessel, there are ancient space buoys that are you know, powered by technology that Han can't even begin to fathom. This is how it's described in the narrative for Solo, A Star Wars Story. And it's a good thing that those things are there because they need something to be able to create this channel as it is. The gravity well itself creates a temporal distortion that makes it impossible to chart a direct course. So somehow these ancient space buoys are unaffected by this temporal distortion. At least, you know, they work well enough to be able to keep a channel open to get through the maelstrom and into Kessel. One thing that's mentioned, which is unusual, and we'll talk about it toward the end of the podcast, or at least in a little more detail, is that there's a booming sound, and it is of Carbonbergs. That's what we are told it is, about these things that are smashing together planetary-sized chunks of rock that actually, when Han uses the landing gear of the Falcon to skim across the surface of one of these things, it's actually described as spraying off carbonite, interestingly enough. So, yeah, not his first experience with carbonite in The Empire Strikes Back. But the whole thing about Carbonbergs and there being a booming sound from them smashing together, well, how is that possible? They're in space. There's no sound in space, right? No one can hear you scream in space, according to some other particular franchise. Well, we'll address that in a little bit. But anyway, for now at least, you know, they make it in and they have to make it out. And so... You know, one of the things that I don't think got really, you know, much thought 
as it were, is the fact that that Imperial Star Destroyer is coming down the channel and it is utterly filling up the place. So that has to mean that everybody who was involved in the Kessel Slave Revolt who got on a ship and tried to escape out of there, well, eh, I don't know how things went for those folks. We don't get any word about what happened to those ships at all, about any of them, but, I mean, if you've got that giant Star Destroyer coming through, I mean... What are the chances? I have a feeling that pretty much every ship that came off of Kessel was either destroyed or captured, with the exception of the Millennium Falcon, thanks to Han's ridiculously crazy maneuver deciding to cut eight parsecs off of the travel through the Kessel run by going into the Maelstrom itself. Now, there are a couple of things that happen while they're in the Maelstrom that they don't quite happen the same way in the novel that they do in the movie. And in both cases, I think I'm a little bummed that they didn't happen. Well, let's put it this way. One of them happens differently and I wished it had been in the movie. And another thing happens differently and I'm glad that it turned out the way that it did in the movie. So as they're flying through and just before they encounter that giant crazy creature floating around in space with all the electrical charges jumping from tentacle to tentacle, they realize that they're in the midst of an electrical storm and you know the static energy, the ionic energy that's around them, they can just start to feel it prickling along their skin. And there's a description of Chewbacca having his hair from the static electricity puff up and that he looked like a giant angry furball. And I don't know if there's a situation where somebody said, no, we can't make Chewie look like that. No, it's going to mess with his image or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe they just said, no, we don't have time for this. Maybe it was in an alternate version of the script and they said, yeah, that just doesn't work. It's not the right time for a comedic moment or anything. But my gosh, I would have loved to see Chewie puffing up like a giant furball because of static in the air. I think that would have been really funny. As far as the thing that happened better, in my opinion, in the movie than it did in the novel, the whole situation, and I think out of you know every single moment, we've talked about this on the podcast, out of every single moment in the movie, the one that I think mattered most to me and I think was probably the most significant for the, you know, the whole story was the moment when Chewie officially became Han's co-pilot. And... You know, it's clear that he knows what he's doing when he, you know, puts the uh, the rear deflector shields on or switches all power, all the auxiliary power to the rear deflector shields. And in the moment when he does it and, you know, Han says, you're 190 years old, you look great. There's no other reaction from Kira other than her just getting up, pulling the chair back and saying, here, you take it, you know, and it's like, you know, there's there's agency to it in a way that it doesn't seem like is there in the novel. And maybe it's just the way it's described in, you know, it makes it sound more like in the novel. You know, Kira says, you sit here, Chewie. And, you know, I think she's trying, you know, it says in the narrative that she's trying to make herself clear in case he can't understand her for some reason. But, you know, he's already demonstrated that he understands basics. So... You know, there's that, you know, maybe it's the panic in the moment or something, but it's more like she's giving him an order than it is, you know, saying, hey, this is yours. You absolutely take it. Also in the narrative, you know, right after the 190 years old, you look great thing, Lando's dealing with L3 and her neural core and trying to pull it out. And as 
Their exchange in the cockpit is going on. Kira hears a cry from back deeper in the ship from Lando. And, you know, she knows what he's up to and what he's working on. And so she makes the decision to go back and help him. So, again, there's another reason that isn't just her going, yeah, Chewie needs to fly this thing. And, you know, letting him have it, you know, and giving Chewie his own agency in a way. Instead, you know, there's other things going on. So, you know, that, unfortunately for me, did not work as well as what happened in the movie. I definitely preferred the movie version of the way that went down. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it, though. If you, you know, find that that description is, you know, perfectly fine and you don't think it takes anything away from it, then let me know that. And if not, if you prefer the movie version too, then let me know that too. And the last thing I'll throw out here for you is Kira having a flashback to her Taraskasi training. Taraskasi? Thank you. Uh, training with... <laughs> with Dryden Voss and how she senses that there is a giant creature floating out there in the abyss has to do with the training that he put her through and apparently one of the things about the training is to be able to not have to rely on your senses and to be able to you know, sense the energy of a room in a different way. And so one of the ways that Dryden Voss trained her in this manner was to not only blindfold her, but also to plug up her nose and her ears and to rub a numbing agent on her skin. So she just had to be dropped into a room and somehow feel what was going on in the room. And it does make it clear that she's not force sensitive or anything like that. And that hey, this had been specifically designed to counter the Jedi. So in other words, it's supposed to be something that, you know, if you're trained well enough to it, then you could do it and not be force sensitive. And here we go back to conversations where we think about Chirrut Imwe from Rogue One, who was able to get maybe little tiny glimpses of the force in very, you know, random and unusual moments of time. But for the most part, it's almost more like he is like Daredevil from the Marvel comics. And I think it's kind of a similar description with um, Taras Kasi here with Kira that she's sensing the room without having the benefit of her normal five senses. And that's where I'm going to stop for a moment and take a quick break with a couple of words from our friends at Nissan, and then we'll talk about why I think it's possible. And I don't know that I've ever seen this really espoused anywhere, but why it's possible that they could actually be hearing Carbonbergs booming in space, and possibly every other thing that gets heard in space in Star Wars. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you haven't checked out Nissan's Best in the Galaxy customizer, then what's keeping you? Here's the link to do it real quick. It's sw7x7.com custom. That'll get you right there. You can customize a Rogue, an Ultima, or a Titan and give it a design inspired by the Millennium Falcon, by an Imperial Heavy TIE Fighter, Moloch's Landspeeder, or four other different designs. Check it out, sw7x7.com custom. And hey, Solo A Star Wars Story is now available on digital and it's coming September 25th on Blu-ray and new in 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back. So, here's the thing. Space is not supposed to have any oxygen in it. And the thing is, is that if you have the oxygen, then there's something that allows the, you know, sound to travel through that particular space. And so, what are the chances that the galaxy in Star Wars, that space in Star Wars, actually has 
little bit of oxygen in it. You know, not necessarily so much that you just float around and be perfectly fine, but just enough to allow sound to propagate through space. How about just enough so that Princess Leia, General Leia, would be able to hang out in space for a little bit longer than you think and survive and be able to get back onto the bridge of the Rattus or what was left of it in The Last Jedi, or when you have Darth Maul stuffing Kanan, uh, excuse me, Kanan Jarrus out of an airlock in Star Wars Rebels, how it is that Kanan can survive, you know, the Jedi thing notwithstanding, for what you would imagine is a much longer time in space than anybody ought to have a right to. So, you know, granted, it can't be the full pressurized air of a planet because, you know, they all need breathing gear to go out in this sort of thing, but there has to be something, right? I mean, that would explain why Han and Leia and Chewie were able to go into the Exogorth and, you know, not totally be able, not totally have to have spacesuits and whatnot. Um, there is a story with the Legends of Luke Skywalker about him being inside an Exogorth and they didn't need necessarily any breathing apparatus the deeper they got because it sort of sealed itself off from chamber to chamber to chamber, so... I don't know. I think that there is a possibility that there may be just a little bit of air in Star Wars space versus our space. But I'd love to think, I'd love to hear what you think about that as well. So, hey, wherever you're catching this episode, drop me a line and let me know what you think about that. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So, you know, if you are not subscribing to this, then hey, subscribe to it, why don't you? And if you think it's worth dropping something in the tip jar, then please do that over at patreon.com slash SW7X7. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 7X7, SW7X7. For now, though, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.